Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You really got to hand it to the French. Between baguettes and croissants, long weekday lunches and sips of champagne at a bistro along the boulevard, they sure know how to make life a little more fun. That includes saying le fin at the end of the workday. I'm Erin Delmore, and this is As We Work from the Wall Street Journal. Case in point, a French man known only as Mr. T, not that one, has legally won the right to not be fun at work. He launched a wrongful termination suit against his former consulting firm, claiming he was fired for refusing to take part in the alcohol-soaked after-hours antics that had become de rigueur in his workplace. And that really got me thinking. Sometimes girls and boys don't just want to have fun. Sometimes we just want to go home. So today, we're covering quote-unquote mandatory fun. You know, the company party that's being held after the workday ends, the team bonding field day on that perfect spring Saturday that you were planning on spending with your kid. To be sure, a lot of people love this stuff. Chance to bond with colleagues. It's a day or a night out in a cool place that you wouldn't normally get to go. All on the company's dime. But it is a tug of war. Wait for it. I'm using that term for a reason. Between the personal and the professional, between work time and home time, and pleasing the boss or saying, no thanks. We're shouting out to everyone who's reluctantly hobnobbed at the office holiday party, gone to happy hour even though they weren't happy to be there, or did a duet with a colleague at that mandatory karaoke event. Because what would our French Mr. T have to say to the corporate contortions American workers take to be a team player and get FaceTime with the boss? Surely, je plains l'imbécile. I pity the fool. Now, what better way to cover mandatory fun than to get right at it? And when? Just before last Christmas, of course, when all those holiday parties were taking place. Our producer Charlotte Gartenberg went out to talk to workers celebrating in midtown Manhattan, and she joins us now. Charlotte, how'd it go? Well, I found some people out having holiday fun. It was uh, dark. It was cold. It was a little bit of stinging rain, but people were still out. And so when I was walking around Midtown looking for bars, for where to chat with people about mandatory fun and ask them if they were going to these parties, I did find a fair number of, well, bars closed for holiday parties. And one of the people I found was the president of Tagwall, a guy named Joe Andrush. And I talked to him outside his company party. Um, and he said he wanted this one to feel special. This is our annual holiday party for our company. Um, sometimes we hold it right here in our showroom, which is located in Manhattan. But this year we decided to have it out um, in a much more kind of relaxed, playful environment as opposed to having it inside your own office. Sounds like Joe put some extra effort into the holiday party. Why did he want to change it up? Well, Joe told me for him, camaraderie is super important, hence the party this year. He really cares about his employees, and that's, that's the kind of group they have. 
We have a very tight-knit group. Our, our staff is very close. They actually spend a lot of time together outside the office. We have more of a family atmosphere in our office, and I think um, when you can connect with somebody, a coworker on a personal level, I think you're more inclined to um, want to help them when they need help in the office, and, and it helps build camaraderie and helps build company morale. I mean, the interesting thing about Joe is I saw him do this in action. I'm standing outside with a microphone in his face, and one or two employees came out. They left a bit early, and he knew all about their lives, and he's asking after wives, and he's asking after children, and and they seemed to be very open with him and at least appreciative of his asking. And it was a very jovial atmosphere and, you know, warm at the very least. So he sounds like the kind of employer who cares about how his employees are doing inside and outside of work. He says he thinks these gatherings can help employees form bonds. And the idea, as I take it, is that if they get to know each other better, they do better work. But is that true? I mean, does the research back that up? There is such a thing as workplace loneliness, and people actually study this. They say that loneliness is detrimental to work, and employers want to combat that and create a sense of loyalty. A paper from UPenn and Cal State Sacramento said that workplace loneliness lowers approachability, it dims how much people feel involved in their organizations, and those are things that lead to poor job performance. From talking to this young woman, Leah Shin, she's 26, she's a product marketing manager at LinkedIn, and when I found her, she was in a group with her friends from LinkedIn, and she in fact planned the whole outing. Her friends called her the social planner. Okay. And she told me that this is really, really important to her. Having the space to connect outside of the workspace has been really weird in a way where I see them like in the streets of New York, not in the office. And we just have like casual conversation and I get to know them on a different level. So most definitely think it's really important for at least my well-being at work and just being a person in New York, too. Sounds like Leah has a close group of work friends, huh? You know, she's from Seattle. She's a young woman in the big city. And these close work friends actually factored into her decision to stay in the city. The group she was with when I talked to her got very excited when she said this. Without them, I don't think I would have actually signed a lease in New York. So uh, I did like a two-month trial. And because of them, I actually was like, you know what? I think it's worth moving to New York. Well, Leah loves these outside-of-work social gatherings. And it sounds like her colleagues like her, too. She's the social butterfly, right? She's their social planner. But I can't imagine that this is for everybody. So what did you learn about employees who are invited to events that they don't really want to be at? Yeah, I did find one young woman named Allie Lockoff. She's also a product marketing manager at LinkedIn. And she was on her way out for after work drinks with her friends. Um, But I asked her about other sort of mandatory fun events she's experienced in her life. And she told me about one from a previous job that, well, I'll let her tell you about it. I had to do a mandatory field day with field activities outdoors. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, um, so it was nice and toasty. And we would play, like, tug of war. (laughs) Um, Less than ideal, I'll put it that way. Totally love the sentiment of bringing people together. Would rather not play contact sports with colleagues. (laughs) Net, net, it was fun, but I would probably not opt to do that again. (laughs) Tug of war. No, come on, Aaron. let's go. You and me, tug of war. It would be great. Super bonding. Uh, no, I'm going to go no on that one. Uh, but I could see an outdoor <laughs> field day or something. That that I'm down for. On the plus side, she said it was fun, but she said she probably wouldn't do it again, too. So did Allie feel like she had to go to this thing? 
that was the impression she gave me. I asked her if she felt like she had to go to this event on this hot Atlanta field day and she's sweating. (laughs) It's almost like gym class outdoors. Oh, yeah, gym class outdoors. But I did ask Allie if she felt like she could say no. And this is what she told me. Sure, you probably could, but you really couldn't slash shouldn't kind of thing. I think it's one of those where you just have to power through. I'd rather be a team player and like contribute to the culture. Um, But ideally, ideally we would have something a little less um, all-encompassing for a team activity. So Allie went. She said she got to feel like a team player, which is what she said she wanted. But did you talk to people who felt like they were getting what they wanted out of these company-sponsored outside-the-office activities? Some people told me they did enjoy it, and some people told me that they got something good for their career, which is networking. And that's what Camille LaPierre told me. She works in pharmaceuticals. So a lot of these events for her are really, really about networking. You don't want to not participate (laughs) if you are looking to develop and be in a different position, such as if I want to be a manager. I believe you have to show your face. You have to interact. You have to network. In fact, I grabbed her just as she was leaving from her networking dinner. Um, And that's her big solution to all this is you got to know when to say ciao. You know, I think there's a solution to it. And the solution is to know when to cut it short. So I show my face. And if I don't feel like staying anymore, at least I show my face. I participate and then I leave and go about my business. So at the end of my cold December night, looking for people having some mandatory fun for the holiday season, I found that people were divided. Some people were into it. Some people were not into it. But ultimately, they all seem to find some kind of value in participating in it. So if you're in their shoes, does it matter if you skip these events? Is there a way to make them less awkward? We're asking someone who studies this to solve the equation of work plus fun minus the cringe factor. And he has a surprising solution. That's next. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We just heard from some folks who proved the point that what's fun for you might not be so fun for me. And that's the crux of it when you're trying to figure out whether you want to go or whether you have to go or whether you can get away with skipping that mandatory workplace event. Adam Waits is in a good position to give us the lay of the land here and tell us how to avoid the pitfalls. He's a professor of management and organizations at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. And he's also a social psychologist who studies connection, loneliness, influence and social organizing in the workplace. Fancy words for a corporate shindig. And if he had to pick which half of mandatory fun he'd keep and which he would ditch, well, you might be surprised. So, Adam, what kinds of events have you been invited to or, dare I say, forced to attend? 
most of my professional career has been in academia. So uh, we're not necessarily good at having fun in the first place, but (laughs) I've had mixed experiences. Some of this quote unquote mandatory fun is just dinners. It's uh, lunches, you know, going out to the bar with uh, your team, your cohort, and there's the expectation that we're going to do stuff together. So what's interesting is the more... I've moved up the hierarchy in in my career. Actually, the more I've become comfortable with these events. And I think about times when I've been uncomfortable with these kind of mandatory fun activities or suggested fun activities. And I realized that a lot of that discomfort came from when I was in a lower position of power, you know, uh, when I was a graduate student, when I was a postdoc, when I did not have tenure because I felt like there was a lot of pressure to uh, socialize and put on a good face and get along with people who might not necessarily be uh, my friends. These are my colleagues. And I think that mixing of relationships was uh, less comfortable when I was lower in the hierarchy in my career. You know, these events don't fall on all employees equally. I remember back when I was younger in my career, I had all kinds of time to spend after work out with colleagues and with bosses. But as I get older, my time is more limited. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, there's recent research on let's just look at women broadly. Women have less time than men for all sorts of reasons. They're given more administrative and maybe even uh, matriarchal tasks at work. Uh, They're expected to do more of the childcare and housework at home. So if you think about adding to people's schedules, but specifically if it's after work hours and, oh yeah, got to pick up the kids from a dance class, got to prepare dinner, got to get the uniforms ready for tomorrow or whatever the case may be, then you're... uh, exacerbating that inequity. And that's just one example. It's interesting that you mentioned status, because that's definitely one thing that can hold people back when they're trying to do this socializing. Another might just be how we feel in our core. I mean, are we introverted? Are we extroverted? These events often end up with a lot of the most extroverted folks or the most senior folks in the room crowding around the bosses, impressing them and telling jokes, and people who are more introverted or newer to the company hanging back. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of self-perpetuating cycles where the most uh, extroverted people or the more higher status people or the people who are more comfortable with their status or demographically uh, men, you know, white people feeling more comfort at these events and then they get the ear of the people who are decision makers and I don't think the situation is fair that those who socialize get ahead, but it's also the reality. So how can a worker navigate these kinds of mandatory fun events if they don't like them? Uh, Yeah. Um, You know, I was just... Are you speaking from experience here? I heard that heavy (laughs) sigh. So I think, you know, I wouldn't have given this advice uh, a year ago, but I think you have to get over yourself. You have to kind of force yourself to to socialize for the sake of your own career. Now, my colleague Mariam Kuchaki has research showing that when people think about networking for instrumental purposes, they feel physically unclean. They want to wash their hands, literally. Wow. And I get 
that feeling that, oh, I'm not a people person. It feels kind of dirty to go to the mixer after the conference and, you know, try to talk to the senior people. But I want those people to succeed. I don't want people to be punished just because they're introverts or because they have some, you know, um, moral uh, opposition to, to networking. You said that you wouldn't have given that advice a year ago. What changed over the last year for you? Um, <laughs> well, out with it. Yeah. Okay. Part of it was realizing that a lot of my dissatisfaction with my own field is feelings of injustice. These are all questions of merit that the people who do the best work should get the jobs and the people who don't do good work shouldn't get the job. And that's one of the hardest things to reckon with in a career, though, that it's not a meritocracy. Yes. So so that was my aha moment. It's reckoning with the fact that one, it's not a meritocracy. And two, um, yeah, the people who get the jobs tend to be the people who are in the mix. They're at the conferences. They put themselves out there. And rather than begrudge that, um, I want to say to people, okay, if that doesn't sound like you, you've got to kind of fake that for a little bit. So why do companies do it? Is it supposed to be a nice treat, like a nice night out for employees, like a gift to them? Or is it about something else? The main reason why people do it is they think it's going to be fun. They think there is a benefit for people having social connection in the workplace. We know one of the biggest drivers of engagement at work is the extent to which people feel purpose. Part of the ways that people feel purpose is feeling part of something bigger than themselves. And part of the way people feel part of something bigger than themselves is through the connections they have with their colleagues. So I think all of this is a drive toward engagement. So if it's all about engagement, what's a better way for workplaces to increase engagement and also help people feel connected? Yeah. Well, my radical solution is to throw the term engagement out of the window and uh, embrace the term disengagement. I've been on sort of a mini crusade to uh, really shift the focus to disengagement. Uh, we need to let people go home, let them off the clock. If you were the head of an organization mm -hmm. and you had to create an event for employees, mm -hmm. what would you do? Well, I've never thought about that. Okay. Um, so I'm, this is going to sound a, a little strange in, in light of what I, what I just said, but um, I would make it mandatory, first of all. Uh, I would make it during work hours, um, and I would keep it really simple. No, go back to mandatory. Yeah. You would make it mandatory. Yeah. Why? Because it's really the only way to make it equal to make it equitable. Um, you know, it's leveling the playing field. So instead of putting it in some employees' hands, uh, okay, I'm not sure that I want to go, but I feel like I should go. Uh, when everyone is clear that everyone else is attending, it sort of eliminates these equity and fairness concerns altogether. So if the goal is to really mix people up, and to really get people to know individuals outside of their silos. I would make it mandatory, but I would make it during work hours. I would keep it simple, and I would uh, intentionally mix up different work groups. But how would you redesign an event that's 
not meant to be for connection, but it's meant to be like job well done or happy holidays. I think keeping it really simple is the way is the way to go. You know, uh, really showing that you appreciate people. You know, I think like one big achievement of our last mixer was like the food was really good. So you really felt valued just because of that alone. And so being more deliberate about these things is, is where I would go with this. But you study organization and social connection in the workplace. Is, is that what we should aim for? Does it help us succeed? Does it hold us back if we don't? We know about the power of social networking. Networking is how you make things happen. It's essential to career success. Uh, what do you do with this information that, yes, the people who form these social connections uh, outside of work or in these kind of quasi-work scenarios, they get ahead. What do you do? You kind of have to convince yourself that you're willing to be social. You kind of have to get over those those fears. Uh, another way of putting it, I say, is you don't have to be an extrovert, but you at least have to like people. I'm with Adam on this one. Good food is definitely the way to my heart. And here's the recipe for his ideal, quote unquote, mandatory fun event. Do it during work hours. And maybe don't try so hard with the fun. Keep it simple. And yes, everyone should attend. It's good for your career and for your colleagues. I thought Adam's line about introverts needing to muster up the courage to mingle was, well, just the kind of nudge that some of us need. So, once you've snagged FaceTime with the bosses or your colleagues, how do you talk about yourself? Next time on the show, we're putting the me in team and showing you how to brag about yourself without actually sounding like a braggart. That's next week. Do you think our show is fun? Then tell your friends it's mandatory listening and review us on your favorite platform. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval are our sound designers. And Jessica Fenton composed our theme music. Editorial support was provided by Falana Patterson. I'm Erin Delmore. See you next time.